This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing, The World is But a Maze. We're going to have a little chat about presenting problems to the players and encouraging them to find their own solutions. Join us on the path of suns and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast The World is But a Maze, we talk about running Invisible Sun and try to work through something that we've run into that we're not sure how to best handle. I want to talk about how to go about encouraging your players to more actively find solutions to the problems that they're presented with in the game. And yeah, uh, a technical note, I think uh, after I shorted out my microphone, it tricked our recording software and told it to use my webcam. So sorry for the last episode because my audio was trash. So um, Scott, yeah, I've talked a little bit about this and it's not a fully formed idea at this point. So um, this topic might might be short. It might uh, it might be a short episode, which, you know, that's totally fine. Um, well, it's more of a workshop. So I've got this thing. Yeah, it, it is more of a workshop. And I think that's kind of what these uh, what this topic, you know, facilitates. So I've got this this thing that I've been noticing in games here and there, and I think it's my my GM style is is changing slightly, and uh, I'm not sure you know how to you know fix it so that my players understand what I'm looking for. Uh, I guess let me just sort of lay it out. So when I'm running role playing games, uh, I have been coming up with problems and situations more on the fly than I used to when I would run, you know, when I would run stuff before Invisible Sun, when I was running D&D, Shadows of the Demon Lord and these things, it was easy to plan out, you know, what are your players interested in doing? Like, what's the next thing that they're going to be focusing on? What sort of monsters are they going to run into? And then you would go through your... Uh, your bestiary and you would you know find the things that you would need for the various encounters and you'd build those out and then you would say all right and then i'm going to also give them some other ways around this dungeon that they're crawling through uh, so that it's not just a one path forward and i'm always going to have like one door that's unimportant that you know will not be opened by the players because they're going to you know, move on and then say, hey, we're not going to go back to this one, much to the chagrin of one of our players. Um, so that was a very straightforward process. You know, you would you would present them, you would present your players with a problem that they could look through like their list of skills and say, I'm going to use this skill to overcome this obstacle. And what I'm finding more and more often coming up in the games that I'm running these days is hey, here's this problem. I'm not telling you like what skill you can use to overcome it. I'm not even suggesting anything. I'm just saying like, oh, you want to do this thing? Well, 
before you can do that, here is an issue that you're going to have to deal with and tell me how are you going to do it? And the thing that I'm running into that I've been pondering is there are times when uh, my players will say, well, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, okay, that's, that's what happens. Um, uh, one of the, one of the situations that came up in a, in a different game was uh, I had a player who was trying to get into the back of a hearse in order to listen in on a conversation that two characters were going to have back there on their way to a graveyard. And, you know, we were building this scene up on the fly and just coming up with it. And I said, okay, uh, well, these two people who are in the back of this hearse, they don't want you in the hearse. So as like they get in and then they turn to close the doors on you. And in my, in my mind as the GM, I was saying, all right, now, now I want to see what my player is going to do in order to get the thing that they're looking for, which was they want to get in there and hear the conversation to get the information they needed. But my player said, oh, okay, well, I guess I can't go in. So they close the doors and we go and I don't get the information. And, and I was like, wait, no, don't, no, don't give up. Like, what are you going to do to get the information? This is, this is the game. Like, this is the game in my mind that we're building. How do you deal with these problems? Do you, does that make sense? It does. And, and I've had similar problems and I've, I found they vary from player to player. Some players are quite um, willing to propose even preposterous options for overcoming obstacles. Um, others mm-hmm. uh, feel quite constrained. And if they don't have a spell or an ability that exactly does what they're trying to do, they are uh, hesitant to recommend something you might consider a kludge uh, or you know some sort of alternative option uh, to overcome their obstacles. Even if that is what you are saying, and even when I've said, okay, the point here is to come up with a creative solution. So feel free to be creative. In fact, please, please feel creative. And and maybe it's just, you know, sometimes your player isn't feeling creative and they don't have an idea of what they want to do. And yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. It happens. Yeah. Um, but what, what I think, you know, it, as a player myself, I play in a game every other week and I do find myself every once in a while, or I guess quite often thinking like, oh, um, here's a situation and I know I could really push back on what the GM is presenting to me. Like I could try and really, you know, do something that feels off the wall, or I could try and figure out, you know, the solution that the GM is expecting. And that's something that I, that I'm trying to break out of as a player. And I think that's something that might be coming up uh, here and there as well. When here's a problem that I present to my players and I don't want them to try and figure out the solution that's easiest for me, <laughs> you know, like, well, what's, what's Dave anticipating or what is Dave thinking we should do here? Because the answer is, I don't have any idea. It's important. There's two things I think you have to avoid um, or or the opposite, I guess, encourage. The one is early on, especially as players are learning the game or learning your GM style. Make sure you don't just shut them down when they try creative things. You might have to say something like, ooh, that's that's a very interesting idea, but um, it might 
run into problems here and there. So is there something that, you know, is there something else we, you might want to try, but don't just shut them down and say, nope, as, cause that'll tell them that you have a, a specific strategy in mind and they're just trying to probe for that strategy. And you want to instead communicate to them that, oh no, I'm open to a wide variety of possible strategies. It's just, there may be some constraints on, on those strategies. Uh, and I guess going back to other advice that you may have heard out there in the wild, um, coming from uh, improv, you know, there's the yes and, but there's also the no but, which uh, mm-hmm. yes and doesn't mean say yes to everything. It it means encourage the, that sort of creativity. But then there's also you can say no to something, but don't just discount the suggested idea that your players had come up with. You can say, well, I don't think that's going to work, but what if we use that as the jumping off point to figure out how we can solve this problem? One way to uh, facilitate that is to respond to a recommendation. Like if you did that, here are the likely consequences. Is that what you want? Or is there another action that might provide you a better set of options of consequences or, or probabilities across those consequences? I think some players have the sense that they get exactly one proposal, then exactly one die roll, and then you move on to the next action. Um, and some of this is the kind of, that's how video games work. Um, if you jump, you've jumped. There is no, well, are you sure you want to jump? Because here's what might happen if you jump. And if you don't, if you do jump, then is binary. You jumped or you did not jump. This game, I think, has a lot more negotiation built into it, where a player might say, well, I'm going to cast this spell. Like, oh, okay. Um, if you do that, it's going to have the following consequences. Is that what you were thinking was going to happen? Is that what you want to happen? If not, is there another strategy that might accomplish your goals at a lower cost or something along those lines? And that conversation is, is built into the game. But some tables just don't really want to do that. Uh, and if so, you, you you can move along and say, okay, we're going to move faster in some ways from action to action. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're going to have less conversation about bizarre and surreal actions and instead focus more on it deploying our resources and just different players will have our different tables will have different balances i think on that spectrum yeah and uh one of the things that i've been finding useful is uh when a player tells me here's what i'm going to do uh the generally the first question i have is why are you doing that like what are you trying to accomplish with this action that you're doing because like I hear what you're trying to do and I can, I can infer what you're trying to achieve, but it's so much easier for me to understand what they're shooting for. If I just say, why don't you tell me what it is you're trying to achieve here? And then we'll, we'll figure out if this plan of action makes sense. And it helps break down the notion that there's an antagonistic relationship between the GM and the player that you're trying to come up with a fun story together. It's not about them pressing the right buttons to to win the game. So, are you saying when I when I ask my question, I should drop off the "Hey, you f- like what are you trying to do?" It very much depends on your table. You can <laughs> you can beep that. <laughs> I think I know where the beep function is. I had to make it up. I didn't know where it was. <laughs> uh, I I have I found it before. Oh, good. Yeah, the one other time. Okay. Remember from a couple of episodes ago, uh, one way I think to build up the trust and communication necessary to have a more uh, engaged uh, relationship between the players and GMs is to use hidden knowledge. 
it's kind of, uh, they are, they can be baby steps towards this sort of engagement uh, where you let them create uh, and reward them with having a binet on their venture. And they, I expect will become more and more comfortable with expansive creations uh, rather than just, just flavor uh, through the hidden knowledge mechanic and then say, okay, you've done that in hidden knowledge. Now do it as part of your venture with using the environment to add to your venture. Okay, now do it as you are a goetic summoning a creature. Use the same creative um, uh, faculties to uh, create an entire new um, angel that you're summoning or whatever it might be. So you can kind of build up to more and more uh, detailed and uh, kind of setting uh, affecting uh, exercises. Yeah. Um, So like using hidden knowledge is one way to encourage your players to you know, stretch their creative muscles and, you know, reach out there and say, I can solve this problem by, you know, using my skills and using my hidden knowledge. And I think the other thing that I would be running into as a player is if I can come up with my own solution to any problem, like what are my, what are my limitations? And they're hard to define. Uh, the boundaries are hard to delineate for uh, in advance. And this is where the negotiation becomes important. Where mm-hmm. you have to say, like, that's that's a bit too much. <laughs> uh, that would have too many downstream consequences that would change the game and would balance would change the balance of uh, the ability of the other players at the table to participate in the story and those sorts of things. Uh, but with the negotiated approach rather than a kind of one action, one role, one consequence approach. Um, you can do that. You can you can be more daring, uh, and and understand that there are, there are some some boundaries. And some people may say, "Oh, that's a bit too much." Can we can we pull back a little bit, um, and can, can do so and continue forward? And er- and everyone has those opportunities. So Scott, would you say you would summarize your advice as, "Oh, just you know, establish." communication, good constructive communication between the GM and the players, and then you can work your way through this problem. I think good communication is the core, and that communication is facilitated by expectation setting. Here, the GM needs to set expectations about uh, when she wants feedback and how much feedback and how much room there is to create. Uh, Trust that proposed uh, additions to the game will not be just flatly denied by the GM. Uh, and so you, you have to build these supporting uh, elements like expectation, setting, and trust uh, in order to facilitate so that the communication can work, I guess. Yeah, that all sounds well and good, but I don't want to talk to my players. <laughs> then there's a lot of video games I can recommend. Ooh. Instead, you can shoot them in the head in video game, uh, video game space. Yeah, that, that's one way to go about it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, this, this helps. I'm going to, I'm going to continue thinking about this and, uh, continuing to encourage my players to just take advantage of the, the setting and, you know, stretch as far as they can and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and this game is so much, so much more narrative. It can be shocking to some players who just won't know how to contribute um, and even in the smallest of examples with, you know, so the orc and pie model, uh, in this, this game, if there's an orc in a room with a pie, your first question may be to the players saying, what kind of pie is it? 
And <laughs> that uh, is unlikely a question they've ever heard in other more traditional RPGs where they say, well, the pie, you know, the GM defines the pie. The GM defines the orc and the GM defines the room. I just define when I'm swinging my sword at the orc and when I can add the pie to my inventory. In this game, players might you know, walk into a room with the, an, an orc defending pie and be asked, like, what, what kind of pie is it? And um, what trophies is the orc holding based on uh, his previous conquests or whatever it might be? And you're it's much more collaborative building of that room uh, than people are accustomed to. But be patient. And it will take time to build up comfort in players saying, I think it is a uh, apple pie. And here's why that would be fun. Uh, or maybe it's a cobalt pie, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, and here's why that might be fun. And here's the implications that would have for our world. Um, and the trophies, like, oh, well, it's got, um, I guess if it's a cobalt pie, it has a you know, cobalt bone. Uh, and that's based on their the age-old enmity of this orc tribe and a local tribe of kobolds. And that orc and pie room suddenly has created a new orc tribe, a new kobold tribe, conflict between the orcs, and the notion that the orcs eat the kobolds. And so you've already added a bunch to your world just by asking questions. But it, it is an uncomfortable and unfamiliar experience for a lot of players. And you, you need to be patient with that. And frankly, it uh, can be just as uncomfortable for GMs. And we all have to grow our skill set for this game um, but that'll take time and patience this ends our walk maybe you discovered something today maybe you need to look closer the music was titled beyond from wes otis and plate mail games it is available from drive through rpg invisible sun is the intellectual property of monty cook games you can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us. <laughs>